Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. In a recent judgment, the Court of Appeal reminded clinicians of the vital importance of consent. A 64-year-old lady was lying in the resuscitation room of an emergency department in London whilst an SHO was proposing to insert a cannula into her left arm. This was necessary because she had a suspected fracture of her right humerus. The doctor was concerned that intravenous fluids and pain relief might very soon be required. Judging the injured arm to be unsuitable for cannulation, he wished instead to insert a line on the left, but Mrs Border, and that was her name, refused, explaining she had recently undergone left mastectomy and axillary clearance. She had been forewarned by her oncologists of the risks of lymphedema following infection of cuts in the skin of her left arm. The doctor considered alternative sites of cannulation, including the legs, but due to a general physical condition could not find a suitable vein. In what the court found to be a quick and silent calculation on his behalf, The SHO dismissed the alternative sites and despite the patient's insistence without her consent, the cannula was placed in the post-mastectomy left arm. The cannula was not then immediately used for any purpose as her medication was oral. Lymphedema nevertheless ensued, causing her chronic disability. Having heard from expert witnesses in accident emergency, For both Miss Border and the Trust, the trial judge concluded that the SHO had acted in a way that perhaps the great majority of responsible emergency doctors would have done, and that the decision to insert the cannula was not negligent. The judge set this out in terms. Looking at it from the standpoint of the expert evidence, it would be a brave decision for an SHO not to follow standard practice, that an IV line should, if possible, be inserted at an early stage. The trial judge dismissed the claim for damages for clinical negligence, but Miss Border disagreed and she appealed. The Court of Appeal found that, notwithstanding the pressures and anxieties of being a patient in a resuscitation room, during this period the claimant retained her capacity to give or withhold consent. Furthermore, that she gave no consent to the cannulation of her left arm, and accordingly, the doctor who chose to insert it breached his duty of care to her. Those reading the judgment might reasonably question what on earth the SHO was supposed to do in these circumstances. The Court of Appeal provided no assistance with this, although in fairness, courts will only answer questions posed to them rather than advising generally upon the clinical dilemma that flows as a consequence of the judgment. In finding that Miss Border had capacity to make this decision, the appeal court simultaneously handed patients in her circumstances an unenviable choice as they lay in that resuscitation bay. Should such a patient take the risk of lymphedema or just hope she doesn't have to face a hypotensive crisis or intolerable pain without established vascular access? If the clock could be turned back, the court presumably would expect that instead of cannulating without consent, the doctor would have explicitly laid out this stark choice to his patient. He should have spelt out to Miss Border that the cannulation of an adult with capacity in the absence of their consent was not lawful. But equally, 
that if a patient is considered ill enough to be lying in a resuscitation room, the immediately foreseeable risks of non-cannulation overshadow the theoretical later complications that the needle puncture might cause. Should, despite this disclosure, the patient maintain her refusal, it will be prudent to revisit her capacity, record that transaction and seek another opinion before re-evaluating the situation. But as the court reminds us, consent is required. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage, or type Clinical Law into a search engine.